Good morning. Today is Monday, December 13th, 2021. Our Parsha Vayechi details how Yaakov faces the end of his life. And what we see in our Parsha is that Yaakov sets his affairs in order and he gives instructions to his children of his wishes. And this is an opportunity to remind all of us to do the same. So I hope to share several aspects of this with you over the coming week. But one of the most important decisions you will make is about organ donation. Specifically, about donating organs after death which is the subject of a gigantic halachic controversy about defining the moment of death. If brain stem death is the correct criteria in Jewish law, then such donations, organ donations, are possible and they comprise the highest mitzvah of potentially saving the lives of several different people. If that is not the correct criteria in Jewish law, then such donations may involve taking the life of the donor, which is the worst sin imaginable. I have shared with you before, in detail, my opinion supporting brain stem death and supporting organ donation with two caveats. Number one, even according to my opinion, there are halachic guidelines that must be followed at every step along the way of the process. So a person should not simply in a general way agree to organ donation, but rather agree to it in a way that involves halachic guidance at every step. I have shared with you details of my suggestion of how to do that, and I'm happy to review that with you later if you wish. Number two, when it comes to public policy, though there is a terrible shortage of organs available for donation, people die every day because of a lack of available organs for transplantation. So there is a great societal need to increase the amount of organs available for transplant. Notwithstanding that, both of the halakhic opinions for and against should be respected as both have important and legitimate support and supporters. There's a fascinating subject, a science, around the concept of how people make decisions in every area of life. And, importantly, how we can guide, to a certain extent, what those decisions will be. The classic book on this subject is titled Nudge, 
and it's written by Richard Thaler. It is a fascinating book, and I urge you to read it. He writes, Nudges are small design changes that can markedly affect individual behavior. These techniques rely on insights from behavioral science, and when used ethically, I want to just underline that word, ethically, can be very helpful, but we need to make sure that they are not being employed to sway people to make bad decisions that we will later regret. Whenever I'm asked to autograph a copy of Nudge, that's the book that he wrote, I sign it, Nudge for Good. And he writes, three principles should guide the use of nudges. Number one, all nudging should be transparent and never misleading. Number two, it should be as easy to, as possible to opt out of the nudge, preferably with as little as one click. And number three, there should be good reason to believe that the behavior being encouraged will improve the welfare of those being nudged. So, let me share with you an example of a very, very bad nudge, which actually builds on a lesson I shared with you last week. And it is something that has become increasingly common, especially in politics. If I can get you to become angry, you are less likely to think clearly. We discussed this last week. But the application of that is, if I can get you angry, I am more likely to get you to believe something that is untrue something that you never would believe if you were thinking about it clearly. But because I've got you angry, enraged, I am more likely to get you to believe it. And I am more likely to get you to donate money to support me because I have caused you to become angry at someone else. This is how fake news gets its power. There is a fascinating and frightening article in today's New York Times written by Maggie Astor detailing how this works and how well it works. This is an example of, in my opinion, a bad nudge. Here's an example in my opinion, of a good nudge. Something that happened last year in England where they changed the system of consent for organ donation from opt-in to opt-out. So let me explain what that means. Opt-in 
means the default is you're out. The default is you're not agreeing. You're not participating. If you want to participate, you have to do something active. Sign something, click on something, call someone. That's opt-in. The default, meaning if you do nothing, is you will not participate. You are considered not to have agreed. Opt-out means that the default is that you're in. In other words, doing nothing will have you participate. You have to actively opt out in order not to. You have to sign something, you have to click something, you have to call someone to opt out. Now, opt in and opt out are significant nudges because there are many people who stay with the default. That is the basis for so much behavior, especially in the computer age, where whatever the default is, is so powerful because so many people simply go with the default. And therefore, since so many people stay with the default, they will remain passive and make no decision. So whatever the default is will gain many more numbers. So to take the example of England, changing from opt-in to opt-out will increase the rate of organ donation which, again, from my point of view, is good for the individual because it's a tremendous mitzvah, the greatest mitzvah a person could do, saving other people's lives. And it's good for society because people are dying every day because there's a shortage of organs. However, and this is what I wanted to share with you. I am very impressed with the leadership and guidance of Rabbi Ephraim Mervis, the chief rabbi of Britain. I've discussed him with you in different contexts before. <clears throat> now, he personally supports organ donation, as I do. But he worked with the government in England to ensure that anyone who, for religious reasons, does not want to donate organs can easily and clearly do so by opting out, again, in a very clear and easy manner to opt out if they want to do so. <clears throat> and also, there is, crucially for me, a middle choice to remain in, but to insist on halachic guidance at every step of the process. Now, that's what I would have chosen because if the choice is either opt in or opt out, it's hard for me to say to someone or for me to choose to opt in because that just, that just agrees in a very general way. But I have certain limitations that I insist on following of halachic guidelines that must be met. So, 
Rabbi Mervis was successful in getting the government to offer the option to remain in, to want to donate organs, but with the proviso that there be expert religious guidance about how to do it, how the procedure is done, etc., to protect halachic requirements. That's what I would have chosen, and that, in fact, is what I have chosen for myself and for those who ask my opinion. But here's the bottom line. We are being nudged all the time. And we should look for and be conscious of how we are nudged. And we should always make sure that we are making the decision that we want and not the decision someone else wants us to make. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.